the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise, designed to explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within our communities and beyond. Don't just listen to it. Be a part of it. Now, here's your host, Bible teacher, writer, broadcaster, and lover of God, Kaz Taylor. Well, welcome, my friends. And I don't think it will be an overstatement to say that this is perhaps my favorite topic of all times that we're going to be dealing with today on Come Together San Diego. In studio with me, producer Neil and engineer Joe. We're at the helm and ready to go, but I have a call-in co-host that I'm going to introduce to you in just a moment. But my listening friend, you know, if you've ever heard about the Tabernacle of David or if you've ever heard anything about 24-7 worship and praise, that's the topic right now, and the Bible has many, many things to say about that. And you know something? It impacts you and I more than you can even imagine. So knowing that this is one of my most favorite topics in the universe, I wanted to spend some time and bring on someone who is also has this as one of their favorite topics in the universe. And this is a man who uh, is a remarkable musician, a writer, a teacher. He and I have been friends for a long time. His name is Steve Griffing, and he's calling in from Dallas area, Dallas, Texas. Hello, Steve. How are you doing, brother? Very good, Kaz. Delighted to be here. Yes. And my friend, as you listen to him, you realize he's got the radio voice. He should probably change positions with me. But nonetheless, he's busy, <laughs> he's busy doing other things. So <laughs> It's more than just your larynx, Kaz. Oh, okay. It's, it's, the air. And it's, it's your... also my left nostril, but we won't even mention that. Hey, <laughs> let, let me I'm tell you. Plain old... You know, I'm in Plano, Texas. Yes. That makes me a Plano Texan. (laughs) And we're just about 20 miles north of Dallas. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, so the next time you crack open a uh, Dr. Pepper, just know that that's that's headquartered here. And uh, if if you jump into a Toyota, their U.S. headquarters are here. Oh, my, my, my. um, But yours also. So that's three major headquarters right in that same area. Oh, man, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> hey, Steve, you know, you and I have loved this topic, and my friend and, and producer here, Neil Fraser, went to the same church I did with under Dr. Graham Truscott, so he's very mm. prolific in, in the topic as well. But my listening friend, Steve's going to tell you some things that perhaps you didn't know about 24-7 worship and praise as it relates to biblical truths, and that's been a, a heart cry of mine as well. But I'll tell you, I'm going to brag on you. You don't mind, I, I, I presume. In fact, he didn't mind. He gave me all the bullet points to say. I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> I did give you a few, didn't I? <laughs> um, you know, you out there. the topic of, of building again the Tabernacle of David is one of the most vital topics in all the world today because mm-hmm. God's kids need to learn how to worship and praise continually. Isn't that right, Steve? That's right. Yes. Well, what... what uh, Pardon me, but I've got my little ram's horn shofar here, 
And, you know, the Scripture speaks about in Joel blowing the trumpet in Zion and sounding an alarm in God's holy mountain. What we're going to do, Steve, to set the stage for this, if you don't mind, I'm going to blow my little ram's horn, and then we're going to then I'm going to engage you in a lively comment throughout the entire two-hour broadcast of Come Together San Diego. Okay, with you, Maestro Steve. Oh, man, let her rip. Here we go. Sounds like about an E. I think that was about an E flat. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is my little ram's horn. My 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 shofar, big shofar, my kudu antelope is a an an E E major, I think. Uh (laughs) So when I'm watching people play the guitar in a in a church environment where I don't get kicked out if I blow the shofar, I'm watching the person up front play the guitar, and if it looks like an E or uh, an E minor maybe or a G, I go, well, this will work, and so I let my old shofar rip, and it oftentimes just in synchronization of the worship, and they don't even know I blew it. (laughs) So Tabernacle of David, you and I have been versed in this for decades, have we not? We sure have, but I think it's, uh, you know, it's an ever-unfolding truth, too. Why don't you give just a very brief overview of who you are, Steve? Of course, I know you. I uh, I've known you for decades, but a little bit of information for our listening friends. And then what has enticed you about the building again of the Tabernacle of David? We'll use this first segment for that. And then you and I, Steve Griffin, will dive on in. How's that? Go ahead, Steve. That sounds, that sounds great. You know, uh, my uh, academic accomplishments and that kind of thing are actually pretty modest. So I categorize myself as an activist. I think with uh, the ministry that we have had with the called the International Worship Symposium that was started in 1978 with my brother and I uh, and grew to, uh, you know, pageants and teaching sessions that we had all over the world, drawing thousands sometimes. Um, but we there was teaching and there was study and there was demonstrations of the Holy Spirit and many just, just fantastic uh, times together in the presence of the Lord. But I look back and I, I say to myself, I would characterize myself as an activist, somebody who called for changes and development in people's worship. I believe that, that a, a church that's alive will also grow, and I mean grow spiritually, not necessarily numerically, yes. although that tends to follow as well. So I'm, you know, as far as my religious background, I'm a Baptanglicostal. <laughs> uh, many people will, will appreciate the different pieces because they may be a part of one of those components themselves. So it's, it's good to know. It's good to know. Yeah, raised Baptist, but uh, was a chorister at the National Cathedral in Washington, D.C. as a young man. And, uh, you know, but in... Uh, the uh, late 60s, God filled me with the Holy Spirit. Uh, Catherine Kuhlman called me and my girlfriend, now my wife, mm-hmm. who is a worship babe, uh, <laughs> out of um, those great meetings in the Shrine Auditorium. And uh, God filled us with the Holy Spirit and set us on a path of, uh, of service to Him and of enjoying His presence. And so, uh, you know, now all these decades later, we're more thankful than ever. Uh, my, you know, my inquiry into worship always started with the music. Yes. And the musical 
study and inquiry always leads to church history. You can, you virtually can't uh, separate the two. And uh, even at a place as secular as the University of California, Berserkly, where I went to school, <laughs> and it's a very, very fine music school, school yes. uh, they they taught the mass and they taught some of the Christian some of the principles behind it. I, uh, uh, it would amaze you just how frank uh, they were at least back when I was going. Um, so I was uh, that that kind of opened me up. And then uh, through the university, I was able to attend some uh, uh, do some uh, supervised study in Christian worship at the Church Divinity School in Berkeley. A yes. lot of people don't know Berkeley has nine seminaries nine. around it, uh, clustered into what's called the Graduate Theological Union. Right. And uh, that opened my eyes more to Jewish scholarship, which has informed my life uh, and my studies in a tremendous way. Uh, Alfred Sendry, uh, his uh, fantastic book on the history of uh, of uh, Israeli music, uh, the music of Israel, uh, Eric Werner, the uh, the Sacred Bridge, a very important work. Yes. Uh, uh, Abraham Idelson's uh, research is incredible, and I'll tell you what, kudos to Dennis Prager, his commentary, absolutely, uh, which, which you can get is also helpful. Somebody a little bit more, uh, yep. you know, and, a little and, more. And you know, my listening friend Dennis Prager is on the uh, the air with us at Salem Media San Diego on The Answer, uh, the other station, the KCBQ station, and we are KPRZ, but it's a dual dual flavor here at the studio, two different studios, mm-hmm. and uh, Prager yeah. is on there as well. And when you heard that I was working with the Salem Media people, you go, oh, Prager, Prager, Prager. Yes, 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 the other station, but nonetheless, uh, it is so true. And my listening friend, you need to know this about uh, Steve Griffin, too. He was very humble in his uh, introduction, but he is also not only a, a concert musician and a conductor, but in my book, if you look into the in, in Scripture in First Chronicles and Second Chronicles, you'll see a character there, and Steve is definitely a character, as you've come to know already, but there's a character there in Scripture called Hananiah, and he was the chief yeah. musician, or also known as the master of song. Now, he, uh, Steve might be blushing when I say this, but I believe he is one of the Hananiahs or Chenaniahs of current day times, who has the skill set to be able to instruct other people on song and song of the Lord and 24-7 worship. So uh, bringing him on was just a natural, supernatural decision when we were going to talk about the Tabernacle of David. I've only got a minute left in this segment, but Steve, uh, we've got a whole list of things we'd love to talk about, and uh, we may get there, we may not, because it's going to be more of a a dialogue between you and I, and uh, we've we've all... talked many times about this, but uh, I want to I delve in. You, you have some uh, disciplines tied to Jewish music as well, and to, we're going to be talking about the Jew component, the Gentile component, and the Scripture talking about bringing the whole body of Christ together in these last days. But one of the things that has to happen, Steve, that you and I know is that the tabernacle of David must be built again and probably in the spiritual and in the natural in many ways we're going to excavate those thoughts Steve, if you're game with this, we will invest the rest of the two-hour broadcast on this topic. Would you be game for this? I know you'll say yes. Yes, and as our second tick down, I'm just going to uh, say the Tabernacle of David, 
we're, I'm just going to define it in one word as we go to break here. Okay. Asbury. Asbury. Oh, my listening friend, if you're familiar with what God is doing in the nation and the nations right now, Asbury, isn't that in uh, Kentucky? Correct. And, and other things are going on in movies and things like that. This whole thing speaks of the restoration of worship and praise like we've never seen before. And Steve Griffin and I are going to talk more about that and other things when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Well, I'm back again with a beloved longtime friend and co-host for this broadcast from 5 to 7 p.m. in San Diego uh, Pacific Coast time. But if you're listening elsewhere, your clock says slightly different things, but that's okay. We're going to have a good two hours worth of fun talking about perhaps one of the most astonishing topics in all of Scripture. And uh, Steve Griffin is with me to talk about this. And in the last segment, he mentioned, as we close the segment, a place called Asbury, Kentucky, where a major revival has basically set the stage for revival uh, nationwide and worldwide. And we're seeing that show itself mightily in other colleges as well. So, Steve, good to have you with me. And we're going to share some stuff about what the Tabernacle of David means. But when you, you said you could define the Tabernacle of David in these days with one word, and you used Asbury as that word, and you are so exactly yeah. right on, brother. Because And to me, when I, I saw that, you know, I, my heart did flip-flops too, because this is worship and praise being revisited in today's nation, this nation and other nations of the world. It's uh, captivating, is it not, sir? It sure is. And, uh, and of course, just by saying Asbury, I think that captures... Uh, a community of believers is, is really all it is. It's so simple. It's a community of believers who who are worshiping with such unity and persistent intensity that they just they become saturated with the power of God's presence in such a tremendous way that anyone who comes in contact with them are just astonished and attracted. Yes. Supernaturally, uh, I know Acts four verse thirteen says that people took notice of Jesus' disciples that they had been with him. They could just tell yes. that they there was just a, a fragrance of divine presence that accompanied just being with Jesus. And I look for the days. Uh, to me, I'd like to see the days like in the second chapter of Acts when uh, I, I love the way the uh, uh, English Standard Version translates the way people reacted to the coming of the Holy Spirit, where kind of the first sort of an Asbury of 120 uh, <laughs> were filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, not a raspberry, a, the Asbury of... <laughs> yeah, you know, no raspberries coming uh, your way unless you act up, then I'll give you a raspberry or two as well. But go ahead. That's exactly right. But, you know, they, they're, uh, instead of coming away saying, oh, I'm so blessed, what a, what a wonderful service that was. You know, they came away saying, what can this, what can this mean? And the, and, and the uh, ESV says, says they were amazed and perplexed, too. People don't, how many people leave 
a worship service. I'm perplexed. I just, I can't figure out what's going on there, you know? And, and, uh, but I, I think any of us, uh, for whom Christ's presence has transformed their lives can look back over their journey and say, you know, there were some times when I was perplexed, maybe scared, uh, I went away from a church service shaking my head, you know, wondering, what will I do? What must I do to be saved? saved? Or what must I do to move on with God? That's, that is the true spiritual and eternal tabernacle of David. Yes. And uh, so, it, you know, from the Bible, it's only mentioned three times. And the second one is just a repeat of the other. That's <laughs> kind of. Yes. But uh, so it seems obscure at first. But when you start unpacking it, I like I like to think of it. It's like one of those Russian nesting dolls, you know, where you <laughs> open up one and there's another one inside another. You start unpacking that, that the truth, and it is it's inexhaustible. It, it is. defines what the nature and the uh, purpose of the church is. It defines what Christian regeneration is and transformation, and it has eschatological. Implications that we'll get into today, I'm sure. Yes, I'd like Mr. to have absolutely. I'd like to have you help me talk through the actual topic and compare the topic with present day times. Because my listening friend, many of you are, are church goers, and you go into a church environment, and you, there's a worship period, and then there's a preaching period, and then there's an off to McDonald's or Jack in the Box period. I'm being a little facetious, but the truth of the matter is our mindset is very, you know, to handle more than one hour of of uh, a church environment, and our brains, we go, oh, we've done, we've checked that off the box, and now we go about other things. That is not what God wants. He wants to have 24-7 intimacy with his kids, and worship and praise is, I would say, the springboard into that. And my listening friend, if you in your heart of hearts want to see God show himself mightily in this nation, he needs to show himself mightily in this nation and other nations where governments are gone astray or awry, as well as medical things, as well as educational things. The solution is worshiping and praising God and allow him, you know, he inhabits the praises of his people. You want God in the midst of all these challenging things, Worship him and praise him. And God told us that when we worship and praise, he is there in the midst of us. So Steve Griffin and I are going to talk about the Tabernacle of David, which sets the stage for this level of 24-7 worship. And when we comprehend that, we go, as we worship our Lord and he is present among us, the enemy has to flee. And right now, the enemy is far from fleeing. And part of it has to do with our obedience, or shall I say, Steve, disobedience in a worship environment. Uh, we've got about four or five minutes. I'm going to hand the baton to you to talk a little bit about it, and we're going to carry this theme through the entire two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time and do the math on your own time zone as well. Steve Griffin. Yes, well, it, the topic probably becomes most important when we see the Apostolic Council in the book of Acts, uh, chapter 15, where the apostles were somewhat perplexed by what was going on among the Gentiles. We know that all the apostles were Jewish, and uh, (laughs) the Messiah was Jewish. But somehow they began to see, uh, you know, this tremendous move among Gentiles. What are we going to do with these Gentiles? Do they need to be converted into Judaism by uh, the rite of circumcision, 
or what. And they they listened to the testimony of Paul and uh, Peter uh, telling of the tremendous work that God was doing in the Gentiles. And finally, the pastor, the kind of the head of all the apostles, James, stood up. He happened to be the uh, uh, Jesus' little brother, not the guy that wrote the book in the Bible. But, uh, um, but anyhow, he stood up and he said, you know, um, this is the restoration of the tabernacle of David. And it was prophesied by the, uh, by the prophets. He didn't name Amos, but he said by the prophets, this coming in of the Gentiles, that is the restoration or the beginning. God is restoring the tabernacle of David. Then you say, well, my gosh, what was that? And so that directs you back to, uh, second Samuel chapter six, and uh, also First Chronicles chapter 15, and then you skip 14 a little bit, or I'm sorry, 13, and then you go skip 14. has got kind of a little interlude there, and then you go to, to uh, chapter 15, and it's a description of David with the help of the Lord recovering the Ark of the Covenant and eventually bringing it up to Jerusalem, to Mount Zion yes. on Jerusalem. And that's that's really... That's really Independence Day. That's uh, that's uh, July fourth, seventeen seventy six, for the Jewish nation. Yes, it's just quite a long time ago. Yes, yes, but, yes. Uh, that's that is their beginning. They celebrated. I was actually there uh, in nineteen ninety five when when they were celebrating. That is the beginning of of uh, you know Jerusalem, and um, so. That's how it started. It started with the Ark of the Covenant. I know we're down to our last, uh, probably about the last minute or so, but um, what is what is so unique about it was really the Ark. Now, this Ark, if you don't understand it, but it was the closest thing to the presence of God that they had. It was not God to them, it was, so it was not an idol, because God said in the 25th chapter of of Exodus, that he would commune with them between the, the wings, wings yes. that were on these cherubim over the ark. So he's still a, uh, you know, he's, he's, it's not a, an idol or an icon of some kind, but God promised to meet with them in the ark. And so that was the closest earthly picture they had of God's presence. And uh, they had lost the ark to the enemy, and yes. the Lord was restoring it back to Israel. And so they brought it up to Mount Zion. They took it out of Moses' tabernacle. Well, the enemy, they, they took it out of Moses' tabernacle, lost it. Then when they brought it back, instead of putting it back in Moses' tabernacle, the one that, uh, that they had it in coming out of Egypt, they brought it up to Zion. And they left Moses' tabernacle down in Gibeon and put this ark in the tent, just in the tent. Yes. There was not all the elaborate furnitures and all of that. None of that was there. It was just in a tent, as yes. far as we can tell. Well, you know, and, Steve, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that, actually, in greater detail in the next, the next portion. But what you talked about were the, the people of Israel had neglected basically the tabernacle of Moses. The, the ark was taken by the Philistines and... and, and yeah. um, and David reclaimed it once it 
returned. We won't even talk necessarily about how it re- returned to Israel, but that's an amazing story in and of itself. It but is. David yeah. brings the Ark of the Covenant to Mount Zion, and the 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 Israel was in a turmoil, uh, and and Saul didn't do too great a job um, in administrating godliness uh, in in the nation, and and the nation was in turmoil. And I want want you, my listening friend, to take a step back and see the turmoil that's going on in this nation and in other nations right now. Uh, Governmental structures Mm -hmm. are being challenged, and so many other uh, structures are being challenged right now. And isn't it time for God's presence to be restored? King David understood God's presence was going to be restored, and it was tied to 724 worship and praise. We're going to talk a little bit more about that and the Tabernacle of David, because that sets the stage for where we are right in O.W., And Steve Griffin and I are going to talk more about that and so many other things when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Well, hello, my friends. And can you sense it? Can you sense it? Can you sense that God is intervening? And if we'll just allow him to intervene rather than saying, oh, I got this, and I have this solution, or I have that solution, let God intervene in our needful city, state, nation, and world. That's what he wants to do. And a lot of it has to do with the intimacy that we have with him and being willing to hand our personal baton of, oh, this is who I am and this is what I can do, to handing that baton to the creator of the universe and seeing what he can do. And some of that will be what he does himself, and what it, some of it will be what he does through Y-O-U. And uh, the, one of the topics that are going to be tied to that you're going to find as you read through Scripture is the building again of the Tabernacle of David, a.k.a. 24-7 worship and praise and intimacy with God. With that intimacy comes God's presence, and with that intimacy comes God's intervention and I'll tell you, mm-hmm. my friend, what we need right now is God's intervention. And so honored to have Steve Griffin with me from Plano, Texas. Uh, and he is one of the—I call him one of the, the Bible Shenaniahs, one of the guys who's a master of song, who encourages people to get together and worship and praise him at the use of instruments, but not only the use of literal instruments, but also your vocal cords in worshiping and praising him. Steve, um, I, I want to— uh, carry this topic further and also talk about what unity in the body of Christ sounds like and how we define that. But forgive me as I take care of just a little bit of business here. Is that okay, Steve? Sure. Oh, yes. Well, my listening friend, if you want to find out more about the shows that are on here, but if you have a recommendation, say, Kaz, love those shows, but I have a thought. Give me a contact. You can contact me through Come Together San Diego at kprz.com. Uh, come together, San Diego at kprz.com and say, uh, I love the show. Actually, I love the Steve Griffin more than I loved you, Kaz. Uh, could you bring him on more often or something like that? It, it could be something like that. But uh, I, I really encourage you to communicate with me and let me know what's going on. And if you have an idea for a show, let me know. The other thing I want to bring to your attention is there's uh, we're talking, Steve and I are talking about the challenges that face the American church today and solutions. But this brings to mind a book that was written by a man that's tied to Salem Media, San Diego, and beyond. It's called Letters to the American Church by Eric Metaxas. Eric Metaxas and Letters to the American Church. It's 
facing the challenges that American church is facing right now, the critical, crucial decisions. It's whether they uh, silently abandon their mission statement and proclaiming liberty and standing up against the forces of badness or slowly allowing themselves to be enslaved by a culture, that culture. This book by Eric Metaxas, Letters to the American Church, uh, is, has a, a contest going on right now, and there are two prize, grand prize winners that includes a signed copy of his brand-new book, but there are also three first-place winners also that will receive a copy of the book as well. I guess you want to know more about that. Well, that's perfect because I'm going to tell you more. Just go to kprz.com, kprz.com, and look for the fan club page and enter there today. Speaking of the challenges that we're facing, Steve, we are facing challenges, and God has had the solutions uh, since the beginning of time. It's dealing with intimacy with him, and through King David, he illustrates what's this intimacy and what it looks like, and it's in intimate worship and praise with him and connecting with him. So I want to talk with you a little bit and have you talk a little bit about how this intimacy with God is going to draw so many other people together. We talked about Asbury. Uh, in in Kentucky, drawing many people together. In fact, that little town of 6,000 couldn't facilitate the number of people that were showing up because God was showing himself mightily. And what God wants to do is to to showcase his presence uh, all over the world, but we'll start in Plano and San Diego. <laughs> I'm going to hand yeah. the baton to you because he wants to bring uh, all different tribes and nations together, and that includes Jew and Gentile. So I want to talk with you about that topic and uh, then we will get into a break, and then we'll spend the rest of the, the our time talking about this very vital topic, Steve Griffin. Okay. Well, you know, I, in preparing a little bit today, for today, one thing that was on my heart that I felt so strongly about was to understand this Tabernacle of David, that it's an expanding uh, picture uh, Tabernacle of David only appears a few times in Scripture, but when we understand that its poetic and prophetic name is Zion, yes, this opens up the the Russian nesting doll of understanding, <laughs> and it begins with Jesus Christ Himself. But it's a, I, I call it an expanding Zion that we see through the Old Testament. You know the Gospel was preached from the Old Testament. People, you know, sometimes we have to be reminded of that. And, uh, you know, the Apostle Paul never used John 3.16, imagine. Didn't even (laughs) know, never heard it, never, you know, and yet thousands and millions were saved as a result. But this expanding Zion, if you follow the, the the references to the Tabernacle of David, it's Zion. Zion started out as just a campsite a tent with the glory of God inside. Then it w- was ascribed to the Temple Mount, where the where Solomon's te- glorious temple was built. Then it was expanded to being all of Jerusalem, the whole city. And yes. then eventually all of Judah was called Zion. And eventually all Hebrews were called Zion. And then in Acts 15, 16, and 17, all believers were became Zion yes. and Zion was that place of 24 hour 24 7 worship that's one of the things that King David did was install musicians singers dancers 
prophesiers, yes. composers, uh, artists of all kinds, before the ark, expressing their worship to him. And that's where we get so many of our psalms and, and, and the whole, uh, I'm going to use a kind of a, a word that not everybody understands totally, but our liturgical tradition began in the presence of God with the tabernacle of David. But yes. here's something, if I've got, I've got about two minutes here. I'm th- but, thankful that you're watching the clock. I appreciate that. I don't have to remind you and twist your arm. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've, I've done just a little bit of radio, but not, not anything like what you've done. But thanks. You know, the, uh, the first time we see Zion is in Genesis chapter 22, when Abraham was challenged to sacrifice his only son. And God, as we know, eventually he didn't have to do it. God stopped in the very instant and provided a lamb as a substitute for his son. But that Genesis 22, that is also the very first time in Scripture that the word shahah, which is the Hebrew for worship, that's the very first time it's used in reference to the worship of God. Uh, Abraham said, I and the lad go to worship. And so our, uh, this tabernacle of David, our worship begins with a lamb that was sacrificed for us. And I want to challenge, once again, our listening friends, if you've never accepted that substitutional lamb, then you need to do that tonight. Romans says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is, is, is eternal life through Jesus Christ. But while we were yet sinners, before we ever repented or were aware of our sins, God sent that sacrificial lamb way back in Genesis 22. And he, he put those two truths, worship and the lamb of God, substituting for our sins, he put them together uh, as the beginning of, of us opening the door for us to be able to enter into his presence with thanksgiving and praise. And that's actually what James was referring to when he said, these Gentile believers are coming to Christ, and it's the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Restoration means something was dead and it becomes alive. The tabernacle is the tent. Bible says the tent is the body. That's the body of Jesus Christ. And then David stands for Jesus. So yes. Tabernacle of David translates a New Testament truth to body of Christ. And he says God restored it. It was dead. He restored it to life. Therefore, these Gentiles can come into the church yes. and come into the presence of God. And, and, it, and he raises up one holy temple to his glory. It's filled with the glory and the power of God. And that's what this nation needs. And, and if you're a listener and you've never partaken of this, I challenge you tonight to... Uh, to accept the forgiveness that comes through Christ, faith in Him. Yes, yes, yes. Steve Griffin, thank you, Steve. And we're going to talk some more about this topic, but also it's important to understand uh, what this body of Christ looks like. It's it's every tribe, tongue, and nation in a spiritual sense. That includes Y-O-U, my listening friend. And if you've embraced Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're a member of this uh, growing group of people that are entrusting God for their futures, uh, spirit, soul, and body. We're going to talk more about that, but we're going to also talk about 24-7 worship and praise and what the how this impacts you and I as the body, but the roles that the Gentiles play in this, the roles that Jews play in this, 
And uh, I think you're going to have your mind and heart opened to the possibilities because God's not willing that any, I say any, should perish, but all should come to repentance. What does this look like, and what does this look like as it's tied to the tabernacle of David? We will talk more about this when Steve Griffin and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the new live local show on K-Praise. Here's Cass Taylor. Welcome back, my friends. I knew this was going to be a pivotal topic. And, uh, you know, when you go into a church environment, you hear worship going on, and then you hear a, a, a pastor teach, and you hear different church uh, administration things going on and things like that. And then you're looking at the clock, and the, when the clock hits a certain hour, you go, oh, time to leave. Well, God says, no, the clock isn't going to hit a certain hour, and it's time to leave. It, 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 worship and praise are continual and eternal. And uh, when you have that uh, heart cry, then, uh, you know, oftentimes, so much as I think in a church environment, God's looking at the clock going, they're not only going to give me a short period of time to show myself, and then they're going to go in, into announcements. What's this about? <laughs> I'm laughing a little bit, but I, I also, it's, it, it, there's a level of truth in that as well, my friend. And what God wants us to have a heart cry for 24-7 worship and someone to help me excavate that topic is Steve Griffing, and he is with me. He's calling in from Plano, Texas, and we, of course, are in San Diego, California. There are a lot of people listening from other areas of uh, the United States, but also in other countries as well. So welcome to all of you, and our heart cry is to encourage you the value of worshiping the Lord 24-7. Steve, uh, I want to talk about a particular topic uh, you you alluded to that in the last segment. You're talking about... uh, the whole body of Christ coming together. And you and I have talked about this um, on the telephone as well. We talk about uh, Acts 7.38. It talks about the church in the wilderness and defining the church in the wilderness. And this brings up a topic that I want to talk with you about because you you are a, a vigilant student of Scripture, and you... You're, you're, you have a heart cry for Jew and Gentile, of course, but uh, a lot of your focus is on the Gentile church bringing us back to where we need to be. And I have spent a lot of time actually in Israel, and I have come to realize that perhaps the whole reference to building again the Tabernacle of David has both spiritual implications about which you are speaking, but also literal implications about the actual literal building of the Tabernacle of David in these last days in Jerusalem on the city of David, little hill there called Mount Zion, which used to be called Mount Jebus beforehand. And, um, and as, I, as I'm in visiting Zion, I realize that which is first natural and after that, that which is spiritual. But I am putting a lot of weight in the fact that God is going to do this in the natural and spiritual concurrently. And uh, so I, that has the promise of uh, a lively discussion. But also in the book of Acts, chapter 7, verse 3, uh, thirty thirty eight. It talks about the the uh, those who um, were in the in the wilderness, the church in the wilderness, and that is the ecclesia, the called out ones in the wilderness. Any thoughts on that? Because I'd like to have a little more discussion with you on this topic, because uh, 
you're talking a lot about the spiritual manifestation of this, but is it possible that it's a natural and spiritual manifestation also, which might maybe changes the rules of the way some people look at Israel and Jews? Talk to me about that from your point of view. Let's have have a a vibrant discussion. Uh, I I, I would cherish that. Thank you, Steve Griffin. I'll tell you you what, if you you want to start having... uh, um, you know, worship pageants on Mount Zion in Jerusalem, in the city of David on Mount Zion. Hey, man, I'm I'm all for it. I'm yes. signing up. For it's that. happening, Steve. It's happening right now. It's happening right oh, that's, now. That's that's great. Um, and uh, but and I I think you would agree. That's just a starting point. Uh, we want it in every nation, oh, in every tongue. And uh, I uh, one of the things that um, I'd like to see uh, this Tabernacle of David become a house of prayer for all nations. Absolutely. As Jesus did. You know, when he came in uh, to the temple and cleansed the temple, it, it breaks my heart when so many teachers just say, you know, he started knocking over tables and, and uh, <laughs> the money changers and all of that just, cause, just because they were corrupt. And uh, they were cheating the people. They become a, uh, and it does say they became a, a, a den of robbers. But you know what? There was corruption all over Jerusalem at the time. You want to talk about corruption? What about the, the, uh, the publicans, the tax collectors, sure. who were who were the biggest crooks in town? Jesus never knocked over their tables, or in fact, he went and he partied with them. So, yeah. uh, so that could not have been what really ticked him off was what they were robbing, they were uh, actually, when you think about it, those money changers and the guys that sold sacrifices and all that, who authorized them to be there? The Bible, the law of Moses, allowed them, not only allowed them, commanded them to be there and to sell sacrifices to the people so they could offer the sacrifice for their sins in the temple. But here the thing is that the Lamb of God is now in the temple, and you don't need these animal sacrifices anymore. In fact, they are a symbol of rejecting him, at least they were at that time. And that's where, where the anger of the, of the Lord, the zeal for the house of the Lord, consumed Christ, and it's the only time we see him actually kind of go berserk. He's been uh, there in Mark chapter 11, He's, uh, you know, been carried up on the donkey in the, uh, with the people shouting, Hosanna to the son of David, save now to the son of David. And he walks right into the temple and says, it's now time to kick these guys out. The uh, sacrificial system, the Bible says that it never was a propitiation for sins. And, uh, uh, but them continuing that was, a, was them acting out their rejection of the sacrifices, of, of the sacrifice of the lamb himself. And um, that's, that's kind of where, uh, uh, but that's where it, they saw the, the temple as a house of sacrifice for the Jewish nation, whereas he saw the house of the Lord as a house of prayer 
for all nations. And when that word prayer is used in the Bible, we always sort of think, well, you know, God bless mommy and daddy and Uncle Amos and, you know, whatever. Oh, Uncle Amos (laughs) 9-11? Yeah, Uncle Amos 9-11. Whenever the word prayer is used in the Bible, almost always it means the full devotional life of the church and of the individual. It is praise and prayer. I think it's interesting how even the uh, the Hebrew words rhyme. Prayer is tefillot, and and praise is tehila, tehila. Yes, yes. And uh, so they sound very, very similar. The end of the various books of uh, the Psalms. The Psalms are called tehilim, the book of praise. But at the end of it, it says the tefillot, the prayers yes. of David yes. are ended. Steve, so prayer and praise. We're, we're running together. out of time here, Steve. So we can talk about this a little Oops. bit more in the in the next segment. But this, you know, I ha- because I'm uh, such a lover of Israel, as are you. I'm not saying you're not, but uh, me, I'm. I've vested times. Actually, I've spent many, many hours s- sitting in the city of David. Actually, sitting uh, a few yards away from where the tabernacle of David actually stood and observing the things that are going on there and um I, and also the things that are going on in the Jewish nation as well and uh I I I have weighed and prayed a lot of this and I want to share some insights on this with you in the next segment uh because Thank you. Uh, we I I uh, my thought is that the orthodox and the ultra orthodox Jews God has a plan for them and you're right the you know the sacrificial blood of the lamb uh, on the um, uh, on uh, in Passover and the sacrificial blood of the of the goat uh, on the Day of Atonement. Th- those sacrifices cannot be replaced because Jesus did that once and for all. But there's other references to other offerings that apparently will continue into the thousand-year ruling and reigning with Christ. And I want to bring those to the fore because. I, I believe that God's plans are to allow many of the Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews to consider c- continue parts of their their uh, Hebrew ritual, their Jewish ritual, uh, even into the millennium. But and we'll talk a little bit more about the uh, the, the mandatory sacrifices there. But uh, I want to talk to you a little bit more because some some things I've found which helps me allay my concern about the Orthodox Jew and Gentile as they relate to coming to Jesus in these last days. So, Steve, it's time for us to take a break. We'll be right back and um, load the pistoles because we're going to have some fun shooting down some myth and mythology. <laughs> when Steve okay. Griffin and Kaz when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. I'll tell the world. Come Together San Diego with Kaz Taylor on K-Praise. Well, hello, my listening friend, and welcome back to Come Together San Diego with a vital topic how God is going to, in these last days, rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down, and repair the breaches thereof, that the residue of men might come to know me, says the Lord, who does these things. My honored co-host for this entire two-hour broadcast, Steve Griffin, out of uh, Plano, Texas, and with me, Kaz, and my uh, my uh, en- engineer friends, and my producer friend, Neil Fraser, and Joe in the studio and uh, we're talking about a vital topic. And there's one, it, Steve, this is a topic that 
I, I can honestly say, Steve Griffin, that this is the topic that has sprung board me into my entire biblical study of everything. Everything I have found in Scripture has connections with this 24, 724 worship and praise and the building again of the tabernacle of David. And you say it's only a few times in Scripture. Yes, but also the references to it or implications of it are throughout Scripture. Isn't that right? Would you say, Steve? Absolutely. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I, it's just uh, we could go on. We haven't even, say, for example, tonight, we barely have time even to unpack Acts 15, 16, and, you know, verses 16, 17. Absolutely. We haven't you're just, just, just that alone. We haven't even gotten into the narrative that's in First Chronicles, you know. Not Absolutely. that we should necessarily, but yeah. I'm, I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying this topic, once you understand the expanding Zion, yep. that Zion is talking about, you know, it, it, it started just as a campsite with a tent and eventually applies to the church, both Jew and Gentile worldwide, um, it's yes. uh, the ecclesia, those called out. Yes. Um, the, uh, it, you, you realize it defines the church. It defines my relationship with God. It, it, it uh, points to where it started. Yes. And it points to where it's leading. Yes. Uh, let, here, here's 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 my thought on this, and um, it's a little different point of view uh, because you know I agree with you that the Day of Atonement sacrifice. And the Passover sacrifice cannot be substituted, period. It has to be through the, the blood sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, period. Mm-hmm. But as you look in Scripture, the, there's, a, there's a reference to sacrifices continuing and uh, different feasts and festivals continuing even into the millennium. And that has troubled me because, uh, you know, if, if there's no real temple, it's all a spiritual temple, and it's going to be— uh, it's the it's the Jew and the Gentile, but it's all through this preconceived, uh, and you would say biblical reference that there's no more sacrifices, therefore there's no need of a temple. Uh, um, and, and my going into the the city of David and observing things that are going on now, the the Orthodox and the ultra Orthodox priests are really looking for this a, a temple to literally re- be rebuilt, and I've had a, a conflict on that. Um, and I've done some digging. Let, let me share you w- with you what I've found, because you, you look in the book of uh, Zechariah, and it talks about, it's, it's talking about the last days, talking about in that day, and it talks about a tumult, tumult uh, against the Lord and so forth and so on. And it says, there, um, um, and nations in that day uh, shall be required to come up to Jerusalem, and they shall keep the Feast of Tabernacles, um, yeah. and, and that's and that's a, 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 a that's you know thousand year rule and reign scripture. These things are going on, and so in my little pea brain, I'm going. How can we reconcile this? And we, I'm not denying the mandatory sacrifice of Day of Atonement, uh, uh, which you know, uh, and the the Passover, the Passover lamb, and the Day of Atonement was a uh, a ram which was sacrificed. Those those uh, those. Uh, sacrifices cannot be replaced by a literal blood sacrifice of those animals. I agree with you wholeheartedly. But when I did, did some research in this, and I want your thought on this too, there, in, in Scripture, there's, these are the mandatory sacrifices. But in Scripture, there are also voluntary sacrifices. Some of those deal with the vet, fruit and vegetables and things like that, and others of it deal with actual the, the killing of, 
uh, of uh, animals as well. Uh, it's like, for example, a voluntary offering would be the peace offering, which was an unblemished animal uh, was taken from the herd, as well as grains and breads. These are peace offerings, and these are not mandatory sacrifices. So l- let me speculate this with you, okay? In, in the Scripture, there are Scriptures that talk about different, uh, you know, the feasts have to are, continue to be celebrated into the thousand-year rule and reign, including the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles... You and I know that there's a th- threefold on the Feast of Tabernacles, and we're not going to get into the specifics too much. But the the mm-hmm. blowing of the shofar and the and then the Day of Atonement and the and the Feast of Tabernacles celebration itself. But w- what they're having on the table is uh, vegetables and meat. How is that going to be prepared if if the blood sacrifices are not? Continued, And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that these are the mandatory sacrifices tied to the Day of Atonement and the Passover lamb, but I'm saying in Jewish tradition, Jewish law, there are other sacrifices which are voluntary. I, I look at it this way, Steve, it's kind of like the, the, uh, the priesthood are going to be the, the uh, barbecuers, <laughs> the, 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 the chefs during the... the um, thousand-year rule and reign, and some of these animals, the purpose of them was to give a portion of it to God, a portion of it to the peace, the, the priest, and a portion of it went back to the person. I see this as a, a, a mighty barbecue celebration that happens very frequently, frequently in the, an existing temple in the days of Jesus. He, of course, is the Ark of the Covenant. He is the Tabernacle of David, but, but the Jewish custom still continues, it allows for that to continue without violating the uh, sacrificial blood of uh, mandatory sacrifices. So uh, thoughts on that? I'm, I'm trying to reconcile some of these scriptures I'm running into in the Old Testament that suggest, you know, that, that certain uh, priestly duties are going to continue. That would mean that the priestly duties today would continue and help justify my understanding of the, the Orthodox Jew and the ultra-Orthodox Jew are doing, but they must come to the revelation of the ram sacrifice uh, on Passover and the Day of Atonement sacrifice have been shed once and for all by Jesus. Thoughts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a, a, an interesting uh, take on it. And if you're if you're struggling with some of this, welcome to the club. <laughs> uh, theologians and you know serious scholars and Christian leaders have been struggling with these uh, end time scriptures and descriptions of of what is the millennium, when is it? You know, there's yes. pre millennial, post millennial, ah millennial. Sure. Some of the some of the uh, greatest. Christians and powerful teachers are amillennial. Yes, exactly. That it's a spiritual millennium. And um, those are positions to be respected as well. You're, so an awful lot, I think you just, we need to understand that, that the scenario that you're laying out there is based on a couple of assumptions that there is a literal, really a Jewish millennium that uh, is coming. You really sort of set up actually you you set up parallel Israel's parallel brides, uh, uh, parallel the uh, and and hey, don't don't get me wrong. I've I uh, I've been been in that world totally. That's how I was trained in yes. in in uh, Bible college. Uh, that is uh, 
Um, the church staffs that I've been on were more or less in that ilk. I've never worked for a, a millennial or post-millennial pastor or church leader or anything. But I, 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 the conflict that I've had is that the that the idea that there is these parallel Israels, uh, uh, that is the part that I stumble over. Yeah, I, I stumble with the parallel Israel too. I, I, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we're out of time. I, 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 yeah. Old Kaz set the stage for a wonderful remainder of the show because we, I want to talk about this in uh, somewhat detail, but use this as, as a framework for what the big picture of the Tabernacle of David really looks like in these last days. My listening friend, we're all learning on this. We're all learning on this, and there are different people that have different theological backgrounds that will make a stand in one area or another. I'm interested because this show is called Come Together San Diego. Mm-hmm. So my heart cries to everybody that believes in the Lord to be able to come together, and God will use each piece that comes together as part of his eternal puzzle being solved by his body. Steve, can we, we'll talk more about this and so many other things, but I, I hope I've engaged our listeners on this because many people will have aligned on one of these uh, different camps, and I believe God wants to tie all these camps together, just like he tied all the 12 tribes together in, in Scripture, and he's tie, tying the tribes of earth together in these last days. Steve Griffin, I know you're geared up, and we'll talk more about this and so many other things. My listening friend, don't go away. It's just getting hot and heavy when we come right back. More Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor is next on K-Praise. Come Together San Diego with Cass Taylor on K-Praise. Hello, my friends. Uh, A vital topic, uh, worship and praise 24-7, having us empowered by the presence of God and to circumvent the enemy's wiles and bring unity in the body of Christ. And my co-host for this two-hour period of time is one of my favorite people in the universe, Steve Griffin. And he, he, during the break, he probably goes, Kaz, you went there, didn't you? I want to bring something up because here's the deal. God wants his, he's not willing that any should perish and that all should come to repentance. And in and, and, and Romans, it talks about the Jew first and also to the Greek. And I, I have been, I, I have immersed myself uh, into Israel and into the city of David, and with becoming intimate friends with Orthodox and ultra Orthodox Jews as well. And I, and as I look at them and I look at their fervor for uh, doing the Tabernacle of Moses kind of sacrificial stuff, you know, and things like that, and, and even the, the early temple sacrifices and things like that, I'm going. God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And maybe we Gentiles have a slightly different point of view that if we understood God's plan, which is not in violation of anything, but it all, but maybe because of our, you know, our Gentile background, uh, we may not really see some nuances that God sees and could, because he's not willing that any should perish. So one of the things that in my discussions with uh, Orthodox and ultra-Orthodox Jews, one of the things that they tell me early on is they say they are they love me, they love other people who believe uh, in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, the God of um, Messiah, Son of David. They, they love we people, but they say they don't want to be called Christians, and they want to maintain their Jewish heritage. And so... Uh, uh, 
when, when they tell me that, and I know God loves them so much, I look in Scripture and I go, is it possible that they don't need to violate their Hebrew uh, um, Jewish heritage and still become believers in the Son of God, the Son that is called the Messiah, Son you know, Son of David? And the answer is yes, but they don't like to be called Christians. They like They know that God wants, because, you know, it's the Jew came first, and Jews are promised people, and you'll say, yeah, and, and everybody in Christ is a promised person. Yes, but the, it's a little bit different nuance here with the Jews, and if my conversation with them has be, we we can have good and strong and loving conversations when we both talk about Messiah, son of David. They They totally agree with that. But for me to say, Jesus this and Jesus that, they are offended, and we go, how dare they be offended by the name of Jesus? They're not offended by the name of God and the Son of God. They're offended by us calling them uh, Gentiles. We don't want to be Gentiles who believe in Jesus. We want to believe Mm -hmm. in the Son, uh, you know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Messiah's Son of David. And I say, fine, absolutely. But see, in our Christian mentality, we go, you have to believe in Jesus, but we, we can say you believe in the, uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and, and they're not offended. So I, I, I just pull back a little bit when we in the Gentile church say our point of view is the only point of view. I think God's not willing that any should perish, and he wants to have a, a worship from every, out of every nation and every tribe, not only in Israel, but the, every tribe and nation in the world. Any thoughts mm-hmm. on this, Steve? Mm-hmm. Well, it is unfortunate that um, that some Jews, many uh, reverent Jews, consider becoming a, accepting their Messiah, accepting Jesus as their Savior Messiah, is somehow losing their Jewishness or becoming a Gentile, as if we were reattaching the foreskin uh, to their body. And uh, when, uh, <laughs> hang well, on for a second. What a graphic depiction! <laughs> oh my well, goodness! But, Please, but that's, wow. They, now, now we have to be very frank and understand that because of uh, history, because there has been anti-Semitism that has lurked primarily in the Roman Church, but also among some Protestants, and and. So this becomes a sensitive topic for them. But if we go to the Bible, we can clearly see that, you know, we're talking about replacement theology. The yes. Jew doesn't want to be replaced. You know, I'm, I'm, my background is Welsh. We just spent uh, some time in Wales a couple months ago, and uh, I don't want my Welsh culture replaced either. Well, uh, so at first you might say, well, I don't, I don't want the nullification of the Jewish uh, culture and, and all just in its wonderful color and, and biblical uh, imagery that is just, you know, is mind-boggling. Uh, it's so rich. But then, you know, I've, I turned to, to uh, the book of Ephesians, which was written by a Jew, and I found out that he believed in replacement theology. The only thing is, is that he believed not in replacement theology as many Jews understand it, but in replacement theology 
dual replacement. He said that he that both the Jew and the Gentile are replaced by the one new man. And uh, so, <laughs> so there's neither Jew nor Gentile, so they can't become Gentiles. And we can't become Gentiles either because we're all children of God. And, and we are all one ecclesia under Christ. And uh, we are all sons of Abraham. We are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit yes. and rejoice in Christ Jesus. Did you ever hear that song that we had? There was actually back in the, yes. <laughs> back in the 70s, there actually was, a, was a praise chorus. Yes. We are the circumcision which worship God, God in, in the, the Spirit. spirit. And, I wonder how yes. how what the Bookmas visitors think. It's a some sort of a convention <laughs> of urologists yes. or something. But, uh, uh, but anyhow, but it's still it's a biblical truth. We are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit. Well, who worships God in the spirit? Jews, Christians, yes, exactly. Anyone who enters the tabernacle of David, Jesus. Yes, and. Uh, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you on that. that. There are, are. I'm glad that there are. You know, Brazilians and Absolutely. and and uh, you know people from Nairobi and yes. and Arabs and everybody. Absolutely. So, in a way, we in in a way to to kind of concentrate the kingdom of God into this little Middle Eastern country, as rich as their heritage is, is really sort of selling it sh- selling us short. Yeah, I agree uh, with you wholeheartedly. To rule the whole earth. But but the, but and, the point of the matter is, I think there's room for natural. And supernatural, obviously natural Israel and the natural city of David and the natural uh, uh, temple uh, are, are are the natural component, but and the supernatural as well. But why would you think God not would not be willing to have the natural and supernatural coming together? You talk about one new man, Jew and Gentile, one new man, and I agree with that wholeheartedly. But what happens if it's a natural and supernatural phenomenon? Because as I'm in Israel and I'm seeing, literally, Steve, I'm seeing the tabernacle of David being literally restored physically uh, in Israel at the same time, you know, you and I have vested much time in 24-7 worship and praise, and I see that as a tabernacle of David as well. And as I step back and I look at the different cultures, I go, you know, God's not willing that any should perish. And, the, you know, we're, we're the wild olive branch grafted into the, uh, the, the natural olive tree. It's not the natural olive tree being grafted into the wild olive, uh, the olive tree at all. So there is a value to that, the... the uh, Jewish Hebrew culture as well that cannot be denied. So I just step back and I go, you know, Stephen, you and I agree on ninety nine point nine 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 percent of things, but maybe maybe there is a natural component and a supernatural component that we that, and I'm willing to set it aside and put it on the table and say. God can do whatever he wants to do, but somehow he is going to bring the Orthodox and ultra Orthodox Jews into the kingdom. And if he if we're required to be be called uh, Christians to do it, uh, that's maybe starting out on the wrong foot. But to say we are in pursuit of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we are in pursuit of Messiah, uh, Son of David, 
we're on the same. I, when I talk about this with my Orthodox and ultra Orthodox friends, they have no problem with that. And I just say, you know, you, you don't, you know, you're not buying that Jesus Himself is coming back again. I'm saying all I'm asking you to do is believe that God's Scripture is true. And you know, if you, uh, Steve, you and I believe in the Scripture uh, about uh, Moses and Elijah. If many people believe that Moses and Elijah, the two witnesses, are coming back speaking uh, uh, about these last days, I'm saying I'll just leave it that 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 and say you, you you just believe in what Moses and Elijah tell you when they come back okay they go yeah, yeah. okay and I just end the conversation there because I know uh, the Mount of Transfiguration and Moses and Elijah were there <laughs> and I know what their testimony is going to be so I can live in that that different uh, different frame of reference from them and still be intimate friends with them so I'm, mm-hmm. we're going to take a break, but I want to talk more more about this. But then we're going to revert back to literally the Tabernacle of David as well, because we want to end this on a on a note that everybody realizes that they get to play a vital part in this. Is that okay, Steve? Well, yes, certainly, Kaz, and we're certainly demonstrating how two brothers can walk together who don't agree on everything. You know, <laughs> well, you know what? I would, yeah, it's exactly right. And my listening friend, I thought this was going to be a nice showcase of how two people who agree on most stuff, but maybe a few little nuances here and there, but how we can be a vital part of the body of Christ anyway, and God wins and the enemy loses. <laughs> We're going to talk That's more right. about that when Steve Griffin and Kaz, Steve Griffin and Kaz come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, back to Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise with Kaz Taylor. Welcome back, my friends, with my... I think he's still my friend. His name is Steve Griffin. <laughs> Forever, yes. yeah. And, and 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 he's in Plano, Texas, and I'm in San Diego, California. And you know, one of the things that was actually showcased in the last segment, Steve made a poignant statement, and I want you to pay attention to what he said. He said people can have different points of view and still uh, be in the same body and love one another. Steve Griffin and I see ninety nine point nine 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 percent the same, but I have a slightly different persuasion than he does. But you know what? In God's providence, he goes, every tribe, you know, in in the natural, every tribe has a different defining uh, portion that divides them from other people. You know, the Griffin family doesn't look like the Taylor family, for sure. But we're, you know. My wife is a Taylor. (laughs) It's her maiden name. Oh, is that, see, well, then then. There you go. We're going to have to. So make I you... love the Taylor so much. I married <laughs> that he even puts up with this Taylor. I thank you, Steve. I appreciate yeah. that. You know, but you know, it reminds me of John uh, seventeen about how God wants us all to be one in Him. And one of the things mm-hmm. that the enemy uses is the fact that different tribes have different points of view. And he says, well, "How can I? How, how can I pose this person against this person? This slight difference against." Uh, this slight difference and cause division where God is wants to use that for unity in the body of Christ. The Tabernacle of David is a, s- a similar topic, but when you get into the worship and praise, you know, my doctrines I set aside, Steve sets his doctrines aside, and we become one with the Lord. And through that intimacy where Holy Spirit is indwelling us, there's a community and a commonness that uh, cannot be uh, fabricated. So I think God's strategy about bringing us together in worship and praise is actually going to be the uh, 
cohesion that brings the different denominations together, the different slight points of view together, because God's not willing that any should perish. And I have to listen to what Steve has to say. He has to listen to what I have to say. As long as they're scriptural and not some far-fetched thing, then I learn. I, I expand by Steve's knowledge, and hopefully he may just get a little nuance of a different point of view as well. But the whole point of the matter is God is God, and he uses each member of these different tribes to secure everybody. He's not willing that any should perish. He uses our different points of view to bring different people together out of different quote-unquote tribes. Steve? Mm-hmm. Yes, as, you know, as long as— As long as. Christ, as long as Christ is formed in them. Yes. You know— uh, uh, and of course, it, lest anybody think I'm somehow, you know, anti-Jewish or anything. First of all, I'm a violinist. Okay, <laughs> being, being anti-Jewish and a violinist is sort of like being a Klansman in the NBA. You know, it's you just, uh, you know, uh, you're and, and I adore the Jewish culture and Jewish people. But the question is, you're. Uh, yours and my Orthodox and, and uh, practicing Jewish friends, if they died tonight, would they go to heaven? And if they uh, in, engage in uh, in the sacrificial cultus of uh, their tradition, well, now see, die, you, you, you're saying that the sac- I say. Let me, let, me, let me pose the question a different way, Steve. How many people okay. that are claiming to be in the church today, if they died tonight, they would go to heaven? Well, that's true. See? And that's, you know, this is why, this is why I, I love the way we were going to talk about the one new man. I love the way <laughs> Paul, in Ephesians, if you permit me, just to, it, it's so powerful the way yes. he says, therefore, remember at one time you Gentiles in, in the flesh, in other words, temporarily, called uncircumcised by what is called circumcision, which is made by the flesh, you know, made yes, yes. in flesh by hands. Remember, in other words, not these are superficial words. And uh, you had no hope, et cetera, you brought near, et cetera. And then that's finally, he says, abolishing the law, the commandments, and the ordinances that he might create in himself, Jesus Christ, one new man in place of the two. What yes. two? Jew and Gentile. Yes. So the gen the Jew is not going to become a Gentile, and the Gentile is not going to become a Jew. Uh, we are you call them what you know, call it Christian, call it whatever you want to want to be. It will be the tabernacle of David. Yeah, that's okay. What it's going to be. I, I'm with it's you wholeheartedly. Be a holy priesthood, and that's where you and I come together spectacularly. Yes, we the do. The only thing that scares me a little bit, Kaz, is how mad Jesus got at the at the sacrificial cultists of the temple. And that was when he was contained and limited in one man's body. Now he is the Lord of heaven, can call 10,000 angels down if he gets ticked off. And I just, you know, in that regard, I just would hate to see what might happen to our Jewish friends if they start doing the same thing that made him so mad back in the first century. I I don't know. No, no, I'm with you. and I, I agree with you. New denomination I, on that, but uh, you know that that may be. And in that regard, you might look and say, "I wonder if the Mosque of Omar is actually God's grace and His mercy." Come on to keep now, that thing there, so they can't, so the Jews can't get up there and do what made him so angry. I know that's extreme. I'm not saying that's what no. I believe necessarily, but I wonder. Wow, maybe. 
maybe that's you know I, I just well that, and, that, and that's well. a valid and that's a valid statement and I, I I I you and I agree that the blood sacrifice particularly of the blood sacrifice of the Passover offering of the of the of the lamb of god and in the day of atonement it was actually the the goat and then of course there was a scapegoat issue as well but the the actual sacrificial goat those those were mandatory sacrifices that that have been fulfilled by the death burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ period and mm-hmm. so so there there's a little span of time here but it's the same span of time that we find in our churches of people that are embracing things that are uh that are really uh, worshiping of idols and they haven't come to the realization that that's so as well. There's a lot of different things that need to be fine-tuned, no question about it, in the entire uh, ecclesia, the entire called-out ones. And I am with you wholeheartedly on that. And I think probably those who who refuse to uh, uh, hear uh, uh, the the sacrificial blood of the, the uh, uh, Messiah, son of David, which is Jesus— but they, uh, we don't have to call him Jesus. We can call him Son of God. We can call him, uh, you know, a, a number of other things, and it still doesn't violate who he is, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But but I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. But I also have to say that there are many people that are saying with their mouth they believe in Jesus and they violate him uh, judiciously. Pardon the. Well, the apostles were pretty sensitive about the name of Jesus. They said every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that and, Jesus is Lord. But can you say Joshua uh, and that, say it when you say that oh, Yeshua? Yeah. yeah, Yeshua, Jesus, uh, you, you name it. Okay, uh, so so yes, uh, yes, but thing. but let's say Yeshua instead of Jesus. Is that offend? It'll offend some people, but I don't think it offends God. I don't think I don't think it offends Jesus. I agree. When I, when I'm in a synagogue, I say Yeshua. There you go. Yeshua, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, wholeheartedly. Just, just because that's that you know, so that I'm not misunderstood. Hey, here's how we come together. I love the dis uh, the uh, discourse in Hebrews, starting in chapter 9, you know it well, all, all about the Melchizedek priesthood, which yes. is a picture of how Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, brought the sacrifice into the throne room of, of the Father and, and paid once and for all for our sins. And then you go through this long thing. I mean, it's just it's an incredible dissertation. And what's the final thing? I agree with you this way. The final uh conclusion is he finished the the atoning sacrifice for us but he didn't really finish that doesn't mean that there's nothing else for us to do and that's why he said in hebrews 13 verse 15 he says therefore because by him because of all this that i've just written i just hit my my stand here knock my phone down almost but because I'm flailing my hands around, Cass, uh, it's like you know, it's, I, I've seen you that, conduct before, kind of like that. Yes. Well, that's kind of what I'm doing. So <laughs> all that I wrote here in these, if, you know, chapters nine, ten, eleven, twelve, there, I get into thirteen. I say, therefore, by him, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. Yes. The fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Yes. And. Uh, Boy, that's where we really come together. That's where and, we really uh, come together. I'm about to, 
got my my phone mounted on it. It's just about to fall, okay. but I'll, I won't breathe very hard on it. <laughs> well, it's, we've got to take stand. a commercial break, Steve Griffin, and we will come back. Okay. You know, my listening friend, I, I hope, see, you, this is kind of like discussions. It may be a different topic in the Lord, but these are like the discussions you're having with your fellow bro- brothers and sisters that may be of a different denomination. We're going to come to the conclusion that God is God, and we love him with our whole hearts, and let's see how he knits things together. Uh, because because we need to be the ecclesia, the called out ones, and we are going to come from different tribes. And so you're ex- actually getting to see this with Steve Griffin and Kaz, which were almost the same tribe anyway, and we're having yeah. these discussions. So we're going to talk more about this, and we're going to tie <laughs> everything together when we come right back. This is Come Together San Diego, the live local show on Praise. More Come Together San Diego is just moments away. Now, more of Come Together San Diego, the live local show on K-Praise. Here's Kaz Taylor. Well, back again, my friends. With I know this has been a stirring two hours from 5 to 7 p.m. Pacific time on a topic of worship and praise 24-7, Tabernacle of David. And we got we kind of changed focus just tiny, in a tiny bit about what that actually looks like from different tribes and nations as well. Uh, and let me voice my love and appreciation for my co-host, Steve Griffin, out of Plano, Texas, and I in San Diego, California. Steve, hey, brother, I love you more than ever before. Same to you, Kaz. <laughs> I've had a blast tonight. Yeah, exactly. I have, too. And, you know, one of the things, my listening friend, you know, you, you, you're going to be breaking bread with other believers of different denominations and God says, I really encourage this discussion as long as you have the heart of hearing my voice and obeying me, then all of a sudden some of the best aspects of my point of view and some of the best aspects of Steve's point of view can be merged together in one and give us both an appreciation more of the horizontal relationship of Jew and Gentile, of different denominations, of different godly denominations coming together as this one new man. I, it, it, it boggles my mind, and I think the Lord allowed this to happen so we could actually showcase what this looks like and sounds like. Steve Griffin. Yes. Yes. May I uh, quote our friend Dennis Prager, says he <laughs> looks for, in debate, he looks for clarity above agreement. And I'd just like to insert clarity and charity oh, above like agreement. And like um so it's been a wonderful time, and I feel like we just scratched the surface here, and uh, that there's a lot more that could be said. Um, um, I love getting into the music of ancient Israel, how much the church uh, owes to the uh, hymnody and, and chant of, of uh, the Jewish synagogue, and uh, how important that was to the early church, and actually helped give rise to what we call Gregorian chant. Yes. And uh, so there's a lot, there's, there's there's many ramifications. Yes. There's a, there's a lady whom we both know, Vivian Hibbert, and she, she really uh, showcases the the, the various different biblical chants and things like that. And you, you know, in a church environment, it used to be any person that played the guitar was not allowed in the church environment. Now the guitar is preeminent. And if you do any chanting kind of a thing, you go, Ooh, that that's uncomfortable for me. But the truth of the matter is God is a God of music. You know, God is a God of music. And however you want to voice his heart cry through your words, he, you know, in, in heaven, you know, in uh, Revelation 
Uh, I think chapters four and five, it talks about the heavenly environment. I mean, are you kidding me? It's going to be so raucous. If you don't like uh, different flavors of music, you you know, you might want to not hang around the throne room, but I want to hang around the throne room. Do you, Stephen? Yes. It'll be the sound <laughs> of many waters. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. So let, let's, uh, we've got about five minutes left in this segment. I'm going to let you uh, merge these together, and I'll do color commentary, and then we'll close the show. But my listening friend, you need to know this. God's got different different tribes, different nations, and, you know, you go into uh, Christians in India or Christians in China, they'll have a different flavor that you go, I don't feel comfortable about that, but is your discomfort about the way that they present this or the content. If you really understood the content of true believers, you realize the content is good. It's the delivery that you may not agree with. And we just live with that. We just live with that because God's bringing his entire church globally together in these last and challenging days. And uh, we have to get past what our own preconceived notions are and allow God to blend us together. And I'm going to hand the baton to Steve Griffin, my longtime friend. Yes, and I'm going to say amen to Kaz here. We uh, often, the wars that we have between believers and others have to do with superficial things. Oh, boy. And uh, uh, superficial things like how we worship. All that has to do with his liturgy and piety and not the the root of our faith and of our our fellowship, which is knowing him and worshiping him. I personally, I like variety, and um, uh, I think there's going to be a lot of it in heaven, and we we already see a lot of it on earth. Yes, those uh, great worship conferences that uh, we had with the worship, the International Worship Symposium, had everything from Bach to rock, from Handel's Messiah to uh, indigenous Indians doing dances and song, uh, you know, just. Uh, everything from ballet magnificat to uh, <laughs> yes. you know doing uh, African dance and and uh, uh, Hebrew circle dances and that sort of thing. So the culture is beautiful, and uh, God speaks uh, to culture through culture, and um, and that is uh, what we see with worship. It is transcultural. It's not multicultural. It's transcultural. It it transcends mm. our cultures and brings them together. But uh, he doesn't negate the humanness of it. I like what uh, Professor Gilbert has uh, is written. It says that the Holy Spirit makes us fully human. Doesn't uh, that's that's what uh, God does for us? He makes us fully human. We realize the fullness of our human characteristics as we're redeemed in Him. Yes. Yes. So. Uh, Steve, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to. We've got about three or four minutes left in this in this show. I'm going to take about three minutes. Would you? I want you to talk right to the heart. I don't want you to talk to people. I want you to talk to a person, that listener, and you know who you are, my listening friend. I want Steve to talk with you about this uh, bringing together of the body of Christ, and each one has a different flavor, but we need to properly embrace that for God's strategic plans. I'm going to. I don't want you to talk to the thousands that may be listening, Steve, I just want you to talk to that one person that is listening, that is engrossed by this conversation. I want you to bring this a period to the end of the sentence, Steve Griffin, and then we'll Well, close the show. Well, if you are in any kind of upheaval and conflict, know that we don't have to understand everything in order to call out to God and ask Jesus 
to solve every condition in our lives, take control. The Tabernacle of David celebrated him as Lord eternally, and that he is the king and Lord over every situation. So if you reach out to him tonight, lift your hands and your voice and ask him to to move in your life in a new and a powerful way and make you the worshiper that uh, he wants you to be. You are the begin. You are in the tabernacle of David, and uh, and he will be within you and and make you his habitation. Oh, I like it. Uh, join with others, though. We don't do this only as individuals. It starts that way, but it's fulfilled in a community. And uh, so, if you're a believer and you you don't ever attend church, you're missing something. It's hard for you to participate in what we're talking about. Be you Jew or Gentile. And um, so, and you can tell Kaz and I, even though we disagree on a few things, we, we, there's a DNA there. Yes, that yes. Stamps you when, when you've been in the presence of God and, um, uh, and it, just, it, it melts you, it melts you on the inside and gives you a heart of flesh and takes out that heart of stone. And, and, uh, being right is not as important as, uh, as being loved and then loving. So, <laughs> oh my, I, I'm going to take that word. I, being right is not as important as being loved and being loving. Uh, th- that, no. that, that, that's the crescendo of everything right there. Being right is not as important as being loved and being loving. Steve Griffin, well, you're a remarkable friend. And you know something? Uh, I knew we were going to have an engaging conversation through this two hours. Um, and I, I, I was hoping that we would get into what we got into just because it would showcase the fact that you don't necessarily, you know, you've got different denominations galore of, that are godly denominations. You've got different cultures galore that are believers in the Son of God. And, and we're going to all come together. So we have to have a little bit of a freedom back and forth because God's, God wins, period. God wins. Yes. And if we're God's kids, we win too. So just purpose yourself to be God's kid and be willing to worship him in spirit and in truth. Steve yes. Griffin, thank you, my brother. We, we need to engage further conversation on this topic of Tabernacle of David, and my hope yes. is that we, we do again soon. Steve Griffin. And those say, who want to look, uh, just for a moment, yes. those who want to look a little further into it, you can see some of my stuff and other people's material on Zionsong.com. Zionsong.com. Dot com And you can uh, email me, sgriffing1 at yahoo.com, or hey, I'm on Facebook, too, just Steve Griffin, the Plano Texan in Plano, Texas. <laughs> and uh, so I had to put a plug in there. Oh, no, I, you know what? It is, I, I, I tried to do this in the last segment, but I got carried away. Thank you for, because you're my co-host. Thank you for, for settling me down. I appreciate that. So my, my listening friend, Steve Griffin and I are so pleased to have you joining us on this two-hour broadcast to come together to San Diego. But the, yes. but the phraseology in the name of this show is something for you to pay close attention to. And Steve and I decree it as well. Come together, San Diego. Come together, Plano. Come together, believers, and see what God can do through you. Steve and I say yeah. adieu for now. Steve Griffin, God bless you, and all my listening friends. God bless you, too. 
See you soon. Thanks for joining Kaz Taylor and his many friends, including you, for Come Together San Diego. Join us again next week as we explore what unity in the body of Christ sounds like within this county and beyond on Come Together San Diego. Tell a friend, tell a neighbor, tell a co-worker, and then let's all come together San Diego next Saturday from 5 to 7 p.m. on K-Praise. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.